Bienvenido al podcast de Cerveza y Mías. No, you don't have to adjust your sap. I am uh, speaking Spanish. Hola, how you doing? Welcome to Beers and Miles podcast where we talk about beers, miles, and whatever else we can manage to jump off topic with. My name is Chris, and we welcome you on this windy-ish, chilly-ish November day in the middle of my basement where we are all doing this by video chat. And we have here, we have Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Hola, como esta? <laughs> um, hi. Hey, I'm Nicole. I'm here. And we also have Keen. Hi, Keen. Hey, everybody. It's good to be back. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of waiting. To, I was kind of waiting to see your responses to the intro. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even going to try to speak Spanish. <laughs> I, I was. I was a French person. I spoke French, so that's literally the only Spanish I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we're going to start this podcast like we do with every podcast, and it's with me opening up a beer. So, oh, wrong side. Shit. It's a good thing First this is on video. I am opening up uh, Vice Stefaner Hefeweizen. I think I've drank this on the pod before. I just really enjoy it. I was like, I am kind of sick of drinking IPAs every week. So, we're going to go something nice. Um, yeah, uh, we'll do our usual plugs. If uh, you're a long-time listener, uh, first-time podcast typer, uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, give us a follow on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find it. If you have friends that like podcasts or like running podcasts or like podcasts where we talk about beers, miles, and whatever else we can manage to jump off topic with, share the podcast. That'd be awesome. We really do appreciate it. And uh, we're going to start doing shout-outs for people that leave reviews. Well, I might if I remember. So, yeah. So let's kick this off like we usually do and uh, let's talk about our running. Nicole, how has running been for you? Um, it's been pretty good. I have been I've been like up and down with running, and I recently did a time trial. Um, just kind of like impromptu. Like I, I I signed up for it like a week before it happened, and I kind of forgot about it until the day of, and I just went out and did it. So, um, yeah, running, I've, I've been kind of in a rut lately. Um, and I kind of bombed the time trial. I did a little bit by going out a little too fast, but, um, you know, give, giving myself a little bit of grace and a little bit of rest and recovery. Like I always struggle when it starts to get cold. Like most people start struggling in the humidity and I'm the polar opposite. Like when it starts to really cool down, like I start to get like asthma and my running just like tanks and I'm not motivated. So trying to like not go crazy, but yeah, you know, just kind of still running, still healthy. So grateful for that. Was that a PR? Uh, yeah, it was a PR. Um, I don't think it was as good as I could have done, but you know, all things considered when it's like 20 degrees and you're running, it's like, eh, I'll take what I can get. That's fair. <laughs> And uh, that's not your only PR that you've done in the last two weeks, right? You're in a PR in the middle of a run? Oh, in the middle of my workout. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, I ran a, like a 15 and a half mile workout and I managed to snag a little bit of a half PR, um, which was, which felt good because most of the miles that I was actually running were marathon efforts. So um it really gave me a lot of hope that when I do get back to actually racing and 
being amongst people and motivated to do long distance racing again, um, that I can actually, you know, get a pretty solid PR in the half marathon. So pumped about that. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, so I guess my running time, uh, I ran a 3k time trial, uh, that's before, like, last time we talked. And, uh, yeah, it was not as fun as I expected it to be. <laughs> uh, it was it was really cold. And I finally got a chance to use a Vaporfly and X-Percents uh, in a workout early that week. They're different. They're uh, they're better than anything I've ever worn, that's for sure. Um, but, yeah. Did you I, like them better than the 4%? Yeah, absolutely. I like the stack height. Like, it's so much slower and much more lower to the ground. And it's um, the upper, I kind of like them the the original, but like, I, I don't mind it. I, it's, it's not too flimsy. It's not the worst upper that I've had on a uh, carbon fiber shoe. That's for sure. Uh, which I'll talk about that in a second. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I ran, I ran it solo. Uh, thanks Keen and Nicole for coming out. Brayden as well. Um, and yeah, I was, I was doing a workout earlier that week. I was hitting like seventies and I was like, cool, maybe a nine twenty nine thirty might be in the cards. I might be able to PR in a 3K. Holy crap. Well, I went on my first lap. My dumbass didn't wear any gloves or a long sleeve underneath just because I wanted to wear my jersey. And that was freezing. It, uh, I got rid of my first lap and it was like 73. And I was like, woof. <laughs> so uh, ran 946 for uh, 3,200. Uh, so converted to 949. Uh, I'll take it. So Rust Buster and I haven't really, I've been running for like a month. So I'll take it. <laughs> um then yeah, this, you were flying. You were just like a little gazelle out there. I we're like, what lap? What lap is he even on? We don't like. <laughs> we were just <laughs> like flying on by. Sidelines. So we were like, I believe I can fly. <laughs> <laughs> Taking all the pictures, being the hype girl. You know? <laughs> what we do best. I don't think you guys <laughs> it was have a ever. Lot of fun though. I think um, it's really just like I don't know. I love watching people race. I think that's what I miss the most about like the COVID lockdown. Like. Going out when people are running time trials or doing like long hard workouts has just been like inspirational for me. Um, it's just like a different level and it just gets you amped for your own thing. So it was nice to be able to do that. Yeah, I think that's the first time you guys have ever seen me like, I guess, really race. Cause like I don't think I yeah. can count. I'm not counting like Boston, Kuala, Boston thing. That wasn't really yeah. racing. Uh, well, I didn't even see you then because I was at a wedding. Oh, yeah. 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 So that was my true first time. Yeah, I mean, it was. It ended up being okay. I accidentally stopped my watch for like half a second and almost lost my mind, uh, which is like really interesting. Like, especially when you're like running short distance, how much like how quickly just your mind can just jump off and it throws you off so much, especially in a track race. Like, I dropped like a seventy-five after that, and I started freaking out. I was like, I'm not gonna run over five minutes for this this second mile. So I ran a seventy-one last quarter, fastest quarter of the whole race, and. Uh, yeah, I broke five for the year. I have this like challenge to myself to break five every year for as long as I can. <laughs> so I'll take it. We're done. Um, and then we're back to 5K training. So I did uh, a couple workouts this week, last past week, uh, just around Huff. Um, and then I did a, one of my best workouts that I've run in a while. Uh, it was like 15 minutes at a uh, 15 minute tempo, uh, 531, 534, and like 533 was the last section. And it was like four or it was like six times one minute hard with two minutes easy. And I was running like everything between 421 to 430, 
439 and 441 pace. So felt good. I'm like, I wore the Herperion Elite Elite Twos, and uh, they are great for tempos. Awful, awful for fast stuff. I mean, the lockdown was weird. Uh, like right around where your foot enters it, it's like really flimsy. So like when you yeah. really want to kick, well, I mean, I could still kick pretty well, but it was like you can kind of like feel your foot shift on the top, not on like, yeah, it was really weird. I also, like, I feel like that shoe, um, yeah, you, I feel like it's, like, built for, like, long, sustained running, but not, like, a full marathon, because, like, I know a few people that have run, like, 20 milers in them, um, you know, intending to race in vapor flies and wanting to get a little bit of carbon under their feet just to run, and they said that, like, it starts to get really uncomfortable after, like, 15 to 16 miles in them. Yeah. I mean, I've never... What do, they, what do they claim that they actually, like, hold up for? They're supposed to be a, the like the vapor fly, like for Brooks. Yeah, they're okay. supposed to be like the marathon shoe, like the competitors. I mean, they. I think yeah. from what I've heard, it's a huge improvement from the first one. I heard the first one was awful. The first one was so stiff. It was like, and and I know that there are some carbon shoes on the market, like the Endorphin Pros are pretty stiff. The New Balance are pretty stiff, but like. Those kind of shoes are, like, stiff in the sense that they still propel you upward. And, like, they are meant to be more of, like, a long-standing shoe. Mm-hmm. But, like, the Hyper- the original Hyperions had, like, the the softness-ish of the 4%, like, when you, like, came down on it. But then, like, when, when you started to, like, run multiple reps in them, then it started to get stiff and your foot started to feel really rigid. Yeah. Like you don't really get that out of the Saucony or the New Balance, but those were just, they were pretty bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Hyperion 2s, like, I've only run in them, like, one time, so I don't really have a good frame of reference there. I, but... I like them for, like, a medium tempo. They're, like, I like how they, how, how your foot strikes, and the, I mean, the, whereas I run in the Carbon Xs for, like, my speed workouts, and that one, you can feel the rocker on it. It is really oh, weird. Yeah. You're way up on your forefoot. Or it's this one, I'm like, oh, it's a nice little comfortable like stride down, which is cool. Yeah. The endorphin pros are like that too. They have a they have a pretty good rocker system in there. So like if you're a really bad heel striker and you're trying to like fix that in your workouts, then it's a it's a good way to go. I still would disagree that people should have heel strikes. I think they should be working on their form more than they should be buying these kind of shoes. I mean, I agree. <laughs> I agree. But <laughs> yeah, they they help kind of break the habit, though. Like, I know some people that tend to heel strike, like, later on in their... Because, like, you know, your form breaks down yeah. when you're, like, running the long-distance stuff. And, like, that kind of helps you not... I think I've just seen enough on Vapor, the Vapor Fly Facebook group, which is the worst Facebook group I've ever seen. Um, I, I'm going to go on a little rant here and say that that's uh, the bane of my existence is the Vapor Fly enthusiast group because uh, you just have people that are running in Vapor Flies and Alpha Flies for every one of their runs. Um, that's insane. Yeah. Well, it's $275 shoe. So, like, first and foremost, like, why are you spending that much money on your everyday shoes? Like, forget carbon or anything. Like, first and foremost, like, you have so many good shoes on the market that are, like, 150 to $120. Like, why are you throwing that much money in a shoe that you run in every day? Yeah, I've seen... Also, there's something... There's just something special about putting on your race shoe 
it's like, it gives you like a different like mentality. You're like, all right, I'm freaking ready to go. Like I got my race shoe on. Like, I don't know. I, it's just, to me, it's like special when you wear it. It's not like every, you wear it every single workout or every day. I've actually switched to that. Like I, when I was in college, always in racing flats or always in spikes, like any chance I get a, any time I get a chance to spike up, we're doing it. Now I'm like, I buy shoes with the intention of I'm only going to use them like he needs a vapor flies like maybe once a year. And I'm like, this is weird. I'm used to just using them every workout. <laughs> well, like those shoes are well, like Kina's saying, like it's kind of like a special feeling. And also they don't last long at all. Like they yeah. last like 150 miles if you're like good with them. Yeah. Like, they yeah, but do they like, really even last like, because I also hear like six months. So can you even like keep them for like two years or they still break down uh you ran like there's a, in them. there's a couple there's a couple that like are like i have older shoes and there's a there's a big change like i have a pair of marathoners from like 2008 and like that's extreme but like you can definitely feel the the cushion has just it's hardened so much like evan shorts was like gave gave me a like, trash talked a little bit because I told I forgot I I remember I told I think I told uh um Elwood that I was planning on doing my first marathon and marathoners and he's like he's a fucking idiot for doing that. And then I ran and I was just like as I started running longer and longer mileage, I was like, yeah, this would hurt. Like you're right. <laughs> but that that cushion definitely hardens up and it's like you don't get the benefit that you would from a newer shoe. It's also why you shouldn't leave your shoes in cars or anything like that. You should kind of keep them at a stable stable, uh, temperature. They're like little babies that you really have to like smother in the right kind of TLC. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because mine are in my closet that's not temperature controlled. You're good. It's not like it's not like having them in like a, a car like 100 degrees or anything like that. Uh, I, it's the attic. You're probably going to put them on and they're just going to like engulf your foot and you won't have feet anymore. So I'm true. sorry. It was like, they're like, they're like a swamp. True story. <laughs> I've had multiple shoes where the sole has come off the shoe. Um, I've had a workout like, where like, it off? Uh, I had a off. well, I had a pair sent over from from Japan. Uh, that I really wanted. It was a pair of uh, Nike Zoom Speeds, and uh, I've, I've worn a pair of them. They're fantastic. They're the shoes that ended up becoming the uh, Lunar Spider, and and just the Japanese soles are cool. They have like a carpet kind of sole, and like the outsole is fantastic. And uh, so I'm doing a tempo run with them, and then like three miles in, I kind of hear slapping on the ground, and it's the sole. The sole came entirely off. So I'm now just running in the sock liner. Oh, yikes. And so I finished the tempo. That's, like, terrifying. I'm running on the – like, I'm crossing the street as this happens. And so, like – So the soul just fell off in the middle of the road? Mm Mm-hmm. There was an unidentified soul just (laughs) in there? So I grab the soul in my hand and just take it back to the – take it back to the – So did your soul die a little? Pun intended? It's oh dead. <laughs> Funny enough, that shoe ended up being made into uh, the um, the Kennedy um, the Kennedy Racing Flats that I made for the downhill mile last year. Since they were already taken oh. off, I just put them on. And then the Kennedy, I tried to, I was going to race them at Club Cross Country. And I did a couple strides in them, and then the spike plate came off because they're from 1998. 
And uh, yeah, that's what happens with glue. They're like, tonight we're not going to party. Like, it's <laughs> Yeah, that glue, like glue on like spikes, like older spikes. Like, I love my old spike, like Jassars and stuff like that. But at this point, they're unusable. It sucks because they're amazing. But like, you don't do run the risk of that glue actually melting off. But yeah. Um, and also, like, everything on the market now is so much better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, speaking of new shoes, new endeavors, and uh, new challenges, um, we have a story to tell. It's story time, and it's story time with Keen. Keen, we have we gotten... Little, we need a little jingle before we do story, story time. time with Keen. Before we This is my uh, my cowbell. Bang it on, on your beer with your opener. I love it. Yeah, until like my my glass actually break. breaks. Oh dang it! It dropped the mic. <laughs> the glass did not break, everybody. The headphone just dropped. We're good. <laughs> that would be kind of a cool, like you know, it would shatter, and that would be like the sound bit leading into the story. Like just pretend yes. it is. If yeah, I will either do it over or. <laughs> If I get my own place, it's going to be, I'll, I'll do it. And just like click, 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 and smash it. And then like, eventually the glass gets into my hands. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And that'll be the, that'll be the intro. We'll do it once. Because then it's going to end up me having to go to the hospital because I just cut my hand open. Oh, yikes. Oh, my God. We'll, do, we'll set up a Patreon uh, for the for the fees for the, uh, for the jingle that eventually sent me to the hospital. Jingle hell, we'll call it. Jingle hell. That's perfect. So, I love it. So, yeah, my my running has been zero the last week because I'm recovering from my 50K race that was on November 7th. Um, So, it it was amazing. Um, I feel like it was perfectly executed. we started out slow. Um, every like five miles, uh, Chris and I would check in with each other and just kind of, you know, let him know how I was feeling. Um, he would tell me to, you know, drop the pace, like, which it's honestly amazing having your coach out there on the course with you. Like you don't ever get to experience that when you're actually racing, um, in a real, real person race, unless I guess you had your coach pacing you. Um, but having Chris out there the entire way, being able to tell me like, you look strong, like you can keep dropping seconds, like, you know, how many more seconds do you want off this half? Like, um, really just evaluating like day mile by mile, how I was feeling, um, and adjusting from there. Um, it was for me, the perfect temperature. It was like, you know, uh, like 41 or 43 at the start. Um, but it was like clear blue skies. So we knew it was going to kind of heat up towards the end once the sun came out. Um, but couldn't have asked for, um, better weather, honestly. Um, we pretty much got to mile 10. We were sitting at like right under eights and just kept cutting down, um, from 18. Like Chris had switched off the bike and came to run with me and basically, you know, was like, let's keep cutting if we're feeling good. Let's keep going down. I hit the marathon and I thought that was like really where I was going to hit the wall mentally just because you've never gone that far. Um, and I did it and I just kept cutting. Um, we got down to like a seven nineteen mile, I think at like mile 28 or so. I think then, we went through the marathon like three twenty eight. 
Yeah. So like we was. had gone by faster than we did our marathon, like in June. Yeah, I looked down, like read the time, and I was like, we just hit twenty six point two. Like I don't know what. Like it ended up being faster on Strava when they factored in my like last miles being faster. But yeah, it was around like I think it was like three twenty nine flat or something, or like right on three twenty eight. Um, and that felt really good because it was like, okay, I just ran a marathon in the spring and kind of felt like a little beat up from it. I know it was hot and like, sometimes you just feel like you're telling yourself excuses for why you didn't perform well. Um, but I thought I was in like such good shape and then just got hit in the face with the weather. So coming out on Saturday and beating that time and still having more to go and still feeling great, um, was just like such a boost of energy. Um, and then also like I practiced fueling so hard this cycle. I, even when I had shorter, like, you know, long, like anything over 12 miles, I was fueling just to get my body used to it. Um, if I had like a 16 mile run, I still took a gel at 15 because I wanted my body to get used to taking three and then four. I think what I did wrong in the past was if I did a 20 or 22 miler, then I incorporated gels and I would just get sick from them. And I never really let my body adjust to being able to have gel. So I was properly fueled. I had water at noon and I had, I think five or six gels out on the course. Um, and it's really interesting because a couple of days before I read, um, about Alphine, um, who took like eight to nine gels during the, um, trials which was insane to me and so that was like I can take like six gels I don't need to be making excuses for why I can't get six gels down when like it's it's completely doable um so that was a big change as well but um I did start to hurt a lot the last three miles um both my stomach uh, my head I like could not feel my legs which was the strangest feeling ever I've never I think I was just having such a runner's high that, you know, my body was like not producing pain at that point, but I like kind of felt like I was going to throw up a little bit and kind of couldn't like control my legs too. Um, I just started to like break down my breathing. Um, but I ended up holding, I think I forget what they were like seven thirty, seven thirties through the last three miles, maybe like a seven thirty five or something in there, but that was still even 20 to 30 seconds faster than, what goal pace was. So it was, it was really honestly unbelievable to me to be able to run like a negative split in an ultra when I've never done it in a marathon. So that was a huge accomplishment for me. And then we hit right on goal. We wanted to do four Oh five. We did like four Oh five, 17. Um, the massive negative just, split like, on it too. I mean, we went through we the first, the first half in two Oh six, I think. Yeah, and the second was like 159, 158, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was like a seven-minute negative split there. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, even with that, like, the last three miles of that section is not fun. You Your last three miles contain the three hills. Like, you have the yeah. hills at Thomas and Worthington. You have the hill, like, kind of that up and down hill up at uh, Antrim, and then you have your final hill up at Anderson. So, yeah, it's, like, not a, necessarily a fun way to end it. <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah. And it was definitely like, we also went through a side of mile and did, you know, some rolling hills down there. So it was a little bit hillier than I had been used to and running, um, my long runs. Usually I would, you know, try to find, 
um, some hills, but it's hard in Columbus, obviously, to get on hills. And this was just kind of over the longer you run, obviously, the higher your elevation gain is. And so that was definitely apparent in the 50K. But um, it's also nice to have, you know, like Chris was there telling me to, you know, let's take three steps, let's breathe, let's like loosen our arms on the downhills, like having someone to remind you to do that just really helps kind of get you back into place too as well. Yeah, it's been, it was a pretty cool experience because I mean, every, every way, every, the whole time along the way, it was just kind of just easy. <laughs> like, I mean, I saw signs of it already in that, in that marathon already. And I'm like, you're just ready to rock. You recovered easy. And uh, the workouts were just like, oh, well, we're done. We're good. Next day, we're good. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, stacking up that much mileage for that long, it just, I was not, I was not shocked at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even after that, the marathon, like, I, I, I'm glad I did the marathon. I think that helped me feel confident knowing I only had, you know, 4.8 miles to go after that point. Um, and I could have easily ran the 50 K that day. So that gave me like the confidence that I'm going to finish the 50 K distance. There's not, not a doubt in my mind. Um, and so I'm, I'm really glad I did that. And then I know we did a 20 and a 22 miler, which also helped, um, build that confidence getting up to that marathon. So the training was pretty much laid out perfectly. Um, I think we didn't really even start ramping up until I want to say like September's like maybe beginning of September when we really started to start getting high mileage in. Um, but I mean, I don't know that I think the time, the duration that we held out high mileage was perfect. Um, yeah, like September 21st was our first week of 64 miles. Um, other than that, we're doing like 50, but it was, I think the training worked really, really well for me. Yeah, it was, I mean, at that point, you're running five days a week, so you're running about 70 average if you're running all day, every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's another thing I always forget, too. Like, and you, you've reminded me a couple times, it's like you're running that much mileage on only five days. And sometimes there would be a small shakeout, you know, like three miles, but the majority of my miles were, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. So it was like two chunks of the week, um, but was able to really bounce back and recover from from each of the days. All right. So recapping the 50K, there's a couple things that were very different than when we did our first attempt at a goal race. So I really want to kind of dig into that. Um, I got a question from one of the listeners, Whitney Rast. What was the hardest part of training for the 50K? So let's start off with that. Um, so I'll name a couple things. Um, the first is slowing down. So I ended up adjusting my quote unquote easy run slash long run pace to about a minute and five seconds above my goal race pace. So I was running around not any, nothing below nine flat for my long runs. Um, and that was really to get time on my feet, um, to just slow down in general. Like I'm usually about a minute plus for my marathon pace. So um, doing that for my ultra pace also made sense. Um, it wasn't necessarily hard physically. I do run nine, nine thirties, tens a lot. It was more so mentally trying to wrap my head around slowing down, but still wanting to go fast in a long distance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and kind of, and also, you know, you see people all over social media that are running very fast and it's hard to like talk yourself out of 
that that's not for you and you need to stay focused on what you're setting out to accomplish. So yeah. uh, Nicole and I had a couple long runs where we talked about that and just, you know, she reassured me like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing like this you know you're not doing anything wrong like you need to just kind of focus on your race um but it happens you just get worked up over other things so that was one thing the other thing was the back-to-back weeks that i had um 64 miles and then 65 that was very tough mentally and physically those are some of the longest mileage weeks i've ever had so to do it back to back um that was tough uh I was, you know, very ready for a recovery week the following week, but um, came out so strong after that. Like, I felt that that was really the peak in my 50K where I felt like I was going to crush it. Um, That coming off of those two weeks, it just felt very, very strong. Um, And then another thing was just getting, getting used to that ultra pace, like 755, isn't super fast so you're not like really straining to like it wasn't super fast for me knowing i go out and do marathon pace at mm-hmm. 720 and half pace at seven flat so it's very hard to adjust to do workouts at a 755 pace and then to do um you know a, a bounce what do we call them? a flute mm-hmm. um at like a minute plus like my flutes were all over the place they'd be like 10s and 11s and i'm like what am i doing <laughs> but can i petition to just like call them a bounce from here on out like <laughs> <laughs> uh, just like float really seamlessly but those are kind of the the three challenges i had um and you know just just showing up every day it was i did not think that I was going to be as busy as I was when I signed up for a 50k. I shared a little bit about this in my Instagram. Um, I was laid off and then rehired and then also hired at Fleet Feet and then also signed up for a 50k. And so the last, you know, eight weeks have been very overwhelming, waking up super early, working my corporate job all day and then going to work at Fleet Feet and literally coming home and going to sleep and doing it all over again. (gasps) Damn it, Barkley! Yeah, dogs barking. Yeah, just <laughs> we're gonna take a quick commercial break. Uh, we have a, a a dog that's just just doing what dogs do, uh, barking. Uh, and in the meantime, let's uh, let's open up a beer real quick. Uh, I am drinking Archea Brewing uh, Extra Galactic Origins. It is a cranberry sauce goza. Um, cranberry, orange, and ginger. And it is from Akron, Ohio. I saw it on the shelf and I just saw that it was cranberry sauce. And uh, you can fight me if you don't think that the cranberry sauce is the best part of the uh, Thanksgiving dinner, because it is. It is what I look forward to every year. And if you say anything different, oh, well, you can send it to the to beardsmiles at gmail.com. That is beardsmiles at gmail.com. So back to camp. Wait, so sorry, I was wrangling a dog. What is the beer? <laughs> this is Arshea. Uh, Extra Galactic Origins. They're out of Akron, Ohio. It is a cranberry, basically a cranberry sauce goes up. I heard the cranberry part, and I was wondering if it was the beer that Nicole had sent us, the Wolf's Ridge cranberry one. She sent us a beer? I really want to try that one. Yeah, I, I, I sent a picture of the Oh, sent a picture. Okay. No, I would not. Chris is like, I didn't get the beer. beer. <laughs> I would not send out beer without including you, Chris. I was going to say, I got a beer coming? Cool. I did I did order some, though. So, yeah. Next podcast. So, there was also a big change, and even in nutrition, like, 
you tried something was it trying something new for the june one where you try yeah. to do more like um i guess not healthy but like more like natural like yeah it was all all natural like no no added sugar um I was doing like dates and uh, dried cherries and dried raisins and banana chips, um, anything that I could really get my hands on that didn't have sugar. That was basically just that ingredient. Um, and that was partially due to doing a, uh, um, I started seeing a new, new nutritionist in the beginning of the year and we did a cleanse and I felt amazing. And so I really just wanted to continue to feel amazing and so her suggestion was to do that, but I just, I wasn't getting enough calories in and I couldn't sustain marathon training like that. I don't think that it's, I guess, the right solution for me to try to like eat clean, quote unquote, and marathon train. And I've actually seen some things out there along that line too, like eating clean is not really going to feel you through marathon training. Um, it's just, it's a different kind of beast and it didn't work for me and I tried it and, um, I couldn't eat after I think like mile 11 or 13 in grandma's, yeah. um, which is just not, not safe and not for me. So, um, I did, I basically retried every single, um, goo and chew for this cycle and I landed on a cliff. I really liked the cliff gels. Um, they give like a wide range of different types of caffeine. Like it's not all in or all out, um, which I like, like it's like 25 or 50 or 75 or hundred or 150. So they give you all different levels you can pick from. And, um, I like that, especially with the, the long, long distance. And a quick pause on that. Um, big shout out to, to John. Um, uh, I believe it's run John boy run. Uh, yes. fan freaking tastic. Um, just just the he's the pit stop crew the entire time <laughs> it's like keen needed he needed a goo and he said which one do you need well how much caffeine and he had it already it was insane just how how like efficient he was at that oh yeah oh i was like i was texting him because i wasn't sure chris i know we had talked about you biking at some point but we never like aligned on when you were going to start biking and so he was, I was texting him in the morning, freaking out. And I was like, Hey, like, you're going to be there like the entire time, right? Like you're going to bike 31 miles. Like you can hold my goose. Like he's like, yes, whatever you need. Like, I'm like, okay, are you close? Like, I just need to see you. Like, <laughs> I need to make sure you're going to be here. And he's like, yes, I'll be here. <laughs> I don't really know what I did that Friday night. All I know is like, I stayed up longer than I should have. And like, was not feeling great. You uh, went to the zoo, I know. Oh yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, it was a yeah, long I'm night. Really I you didn't invite us. Remember? It was a work trip. <laughs> it's a work trip. Uh, you still could have t- said you needed to bring it to eat. Three. <laughs> I bring the. I, mean, <laughs> I brought the podcast. <laughs> the best was Mike went out to like move cars around, and he comes back and he's like, "Chris, you have a rough night last night," and you're like, "No, I'm just really tired." And he's like, your car is like literally up on the curb. <laughs> oh, I was, so I like legitimately woke up that morning and I was just like, I feel awful. Like I might actually just nap for like an hour and a half, like the first half. But then I'm like, at this point, it's been this long that we've worked together. 
I was like, I don't care how shitty I feel. I'm going to bike for this. I'm going to do the whole thing. Screw it. I know I'm going to feel like dog shit, but we're going to do it. <laughs> well, you did your two-mile race that morning, too. Oh, yeah, the day before. Which racing that fast always is just like, ugh. I didn't run that like, Sunday. I felt like I got hit by a truck. I felt like I got hit by a truck through that race. Like, like as soon as I got on my feet, I was like, oh, my God. This is yeah, because you guys were talking about the bike to, because you had to like sprint the first mile to I think catch I up. like a five forty to catch up. I was like, this is fucking stupid. Because I started thinking about, it, I was like, how fast is she going now? I'm like, oh no, she's probably going like, probably about like six thirty or no, no, no seven thirty. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have to run a lot faster than six thirty. So like, I'm gonna start sweating. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that wasn't forty Yeah, uh, that wasn't. Fun. But yeah, shout out to John, like. He was amazing on the bike. And even when, like, you, I think you transitioned off the bike, Chris, he was, like, on it to kept, get my noon and, like, yeah. get it re, like, yeah, positioned. We, Emily and I started going, and he, like, rolled up next to us. He's like, did either of you grab the noon? And I was like, what noon? And he's like, her noon. I got to go back and get it. And he just peels off, and we were like, damn, what a guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And, and with the, we had a lot of people that joined in, so, like, at the beginning, we had um, who was your friend, Nicole? Emily. Yeah, Emily was there. Nicole was there from the very beginning. Um, Zach ran from the very beginning. Uh, we had Rachel that joined in for a little bit. Then on the second half, we had Logan that joined in. Um, Juice joined in for about for a lot of it. Um, I think we had one more. Did we have one more? Um, I think that was it. Yeah, so it was oh, great. Exact- yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was great to have it. so many people out, and uh, yeah, so we had a great time. I like. Yes, we were just talking about you and Chris parked up on the curb the morning of my fifty k. You wasn't wrong. Wasn't wrong. Uh, but yeah, it was. It was a great. It was a great experience just watching. I mean, at that point, like, even after the 718 and going back up, like, you were like, I'm I'm dying. And you dying was 15 seconds slower, if that. Yeah. <laughs> so it yeah. was, like, it really just was holding steady at that point. And, like, then you fought. Like, at that point, it was like, how many seconds do you want to take off? And you decided you want to take out 15, 15 to 20 seconds at a time off the of your average pace. So that's... I mean, if you look at it, 755 was your average pace that you wanted to hit. If you're running 735s or 730s, like you're taking off, you took off a minute in your last three miles. Yeah, that's which huge. Is insane. I didn't, I didn't get to Kerensky yet, but <laughs> and uh, the thought was there. <laughs> we have now coined a term called Kerenskying it, and it's a uh, going sub seven for your last mile. <laughs> so, Ryan, if you're listening, great job. <laughs> I was trying to channel you, Ryan. I was trying to, I wanted to hit like a 640 on my last mile. I was like, what if I just mile 30, I nail a 644? Chris is like, oh shit. I'm like, yeah, no, it's not going to happen when I got there. I have tried to Kerensky on my like 15 mile workout before I even knew what it was. So, we're all just trying to channel that. (laughs) That's what we strive for. So, I guess it's reflection time. Um, at this point, pretty much, I mean, we're not, we don't have any major, major races coming into the next month. I might do some 
some just fun stuff, maybe a Michigan here or there. Like, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to do anything too crazy. So I guess the year's over. So um, I really, and why the heck is, I got a product status on my computer saying that my services and repair products are going to be not available for my PC by 929-2020. Fuck off. So that means they're not already available. Uh, sorry about that. And it's the Beers and Miles podcast. We talk about Beers and Miles and whatever else we can manage to tell off topic with. So uh, it's saying two to four. Here you go. Um, but yeah, let, let's kind of let's kind of recap. I mean, it's been a, it's really a pretty long year. Um, and even just kind of opening up the topic of the topic of conversation for today would be coaching. I think we've all coached people. Um, and I kind of want to just that, have that as a conversation topic for the day. Um, so I had a couple questions to begin with. Um, what is, what do you think it takes us to start getting into coaching? And I'll start with Nicole, because actually Nicole actually has more, uh, credentials than I do, because she's actually done to the training. Like what it takes to start getting into coaching. I mean, really you have to do a lot of research I think first and foremost like you can't just like go in like if you're constantly running your easy miles way too fast if you're constantly like you know ripping your workouts to shreds like there's some coaches out there that totally do that and like I I think that you know it's harder for somebody I mean a lot of new runners flock to the coaches like that but I think like as somebody who's like more seasoned, like the more seasoned runners, the ones that are more coachable tend to flock to somebody who kind of already knows what they're doing. So I think like doing your own research and like figuring out the different running styles and like what works best for like, you know, short distance, long distance, like what, what kind of things you need to work on. Um, And there are a lot of really, really good resources. Like if you really wanted to start getting into coaching, like, um brian Locke, i think it's like roadrunner 309 shout out to you brian um he posts a lot of infographics just like around coaching um things to do like running physiology um he talks about like the 525 rule like make a list of 25 things you think will help you be a better runner do the top five of them now and then work on the rest um and like the athletes that he coaches like do really well under him also Um, I've been working with Heather McCurdy for a really long time and um, her husband James owns McCurdy Train and they post a lot of like interesting little blurbs about you know different types of running styles different ways to train so like I think first and foremost when you're trying to look into getting into coaching like you just have to kind of absorb as much as you can and like figure out what works best in your own running like you need to be like on top of it yourself, I think, before you can really spread that knowledge onto someone else. Cause I think like there are a lot of people out there that I see like just make constant, you know, rookie mistakes that it's like, would I try, would, would I, as somebody on the outside looking in that like wants to try and get like EQ or like sub three, would I be like, would I trust this person, this person's advice? So like, you know, absorbing as much info as you can. And then really I think it takes like a certain level of passion to continue coaching people because coaching is like I mean obviously you have to know your mechanics and your basics about running like it's a good thing to know about the plyometrics that you can do to improve your form it's a good thing to know like this type of workout will do best in a half 
5k marathon training plan or even like you know you just got experience coaching a 50k so like now you kind of know like this this is what worked and um I think like it's taking those things and applying them to each individual athlete but knowing that each individual athlete is going to have their own unique journey and like I always hear that coaching is like 20% coaching and like 80% like therapist like that's kind of a bad word to use but like it's it's kind of like you know the reassurance the discussing the why of the workout the like you really kind of have to have the the want for somebody else to do better and sometimes other people's goals like like I get more excited sometimes about other people reaching their goals than myself reaching my goal Um, like people that I coach so like you know just putting all of your faith into somebody and like I also think it's really important as a coach to an athlete to have the kind of relationship where you as an athlete um, can be coachable. And as a coach, like you have to come prepared to discuss, like I I've had a few athletes like make stupid mistakes. Like, you know, they run their easy runs like 20 seconds slower than marathon pace. And it's like, you know, I have to tell you not to do that. And I also have to tell you why. And like, we have to like work as a team to figure out what actually works and like how to, how to make it better. And like, sometimes people, if you really have to tailor your, your coaching. So that was a lot of words, <laughs> but like the TLDR of it is like, you have to know your shit and then you have to like apply your shit and then you have to like take the shit. <laughs> like when people are relying on you, you need to like, you need to be able to talk them through things. And like when somebody has a bad workout, like when I'm having a meltdown to my coach, like I had to quit my workout. This sucked. Like we have to, you know, you, you discuss, you discuss through it and you just keep on, you know, working together. And King, King, your, uh, your turn. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't been as like, I don't have any certifications or I don't have, you know, like a ton of background in um, coaching. But what I tell people when I help them is this is what works for me. Um, and we can see if it works for you. We can make adjustments. Um, but I'm, I've never gone into coaching, like saying like, I don't have like a flex style. I pretty much just give people what has worked for me in the past. Um, just because that's really all I know. And really the big thing has just been people slowing down, like they're just running too fast. So, and that's one of the big things that I do. I, I slow down a lot. So that's a huge change for a lot of people. Um, even if, you know, like the one girl I helped in the spring who was also doing grandma's, she had never done any workouts before. Um, so I did flex a little bit because I felt like some of the workouts that Chris gave me were a little bit more manageable than some of the workouts I'd gotten from like my coach back in like 2016, um, since she was newer, but that's like pretty much the only flex I have made. It's really just like, here's what works for me. Let's see what works for you. How many days do you want to run? What's the highest mileage you've ever done? I'm not going to give somebody 60 miles if their highest mileage has only been like 35 um, so those are kind of the the tweaks I make, but it's really just like the same structure that I, I follow for myself, um, to see if it'll work. And if it doesn't, you know, then they, they can kind of try to make their own changes, but typically it has, it's worked pretty well for people. And I think it's, it's truly is a slowing down, um, aspect of it. <clears throat> so 
And I guess for me, it would be, it would start being from yourself, I guess. Um, why do you want to coach? And who do you want to coach and at what level? Um, because for me, I've been very hesitant to do it myself. I mean, I, I wanted to become a college coach. I would probably be a college coach. I'd not been for student loans. Um, and thankfully, I came into a path where, like, early on, I mean, getting hit by that drunk driver meant that I got to shadow my coach for the first for the full year and see how he coaches, see how management of teams go. And I became a big, big um, student of the sport, even for when I was young. Why am I doing this? What is, what's the purpose of that? What's your training style? Um, are you a Lydiard? Are you a Jack Daniels? Are you... Mahali Igloy was he, he was trying to put in for us later on. And uh, it's something I was really passionate about. It was always really fun to see, like, because we're all, like, your athletes are all guinea pigs. And it takes time to be able to figure out what exactly is going to be the perfect thing for them. So just like with, with Keen, like, it took us time to figure out what was going to be the right thing for her with five days a week. Um, Annalise probably if we if we start running again it'll be the same kind of thing that i did for you because she could only run basically four or five days a week without getting hurt we tried to do it six days a week and didn't work um but it is um yeah figure out if you're not selfless in this kind of in this kind of thing like maybe this isn't right for you because you put a lot of time not to, to help people. Cause if you genuinely like it, it's a fun experience. If you don't like, there's no money in this. We don't do this for money. We do this because we enjoy helping people. I think all of us enjoy doing that. And so like, if you like, you have to understand that it's more than just giving somebody a month plan or a week on week plan. It's more than that. The one thing that are, and, and even more than just like a lot of the same, there's no, there's no secrets to workouts. There's no secrets to training. Everything's online now. Like, I haven't coached half marathon. I've never run a half marathon, but I'm able to pull some information from, let's say, if I just pull up left run and I start looking at some of the workouts there, and I'm like, okay, that makes sense just based on like effort level. And that kind of makes sense as like a key workout that I would put in there. And so I'll do things like that. For 50K, I started looking into, I've never run a 50K, I've never had that experience. I started looking into, okay, what would you do to train for a 50K? And what kind of typical workouts can you put in there? Um, and so I started doing a lot of research on that stuff. Um, and a lot of it's just experience for yourself. Um, I think a lot of things that I've learned is just based on just mistakes that I've done myself or mistakes I've done for other people. Um, running with Zach has changed a lot of my my entirety of my coaching program. Um, I mean, I was doing the same thing with the guys that I was doing four or five years ago, very much the same stuff. But like now it's like, okay, I was very, very hesitant about training somebody more than just a summer of training. And I was like, what am I going to do to try to get them to a peak race? I can get them shape. I can get them base training. But what can I do to get them actually in race shape? And that's something I've always been terrified about. But yeah, I mean, I think. I don't think you have to be terrified anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, the first, I mean, I looked at it just recently and then I can pull it now. It's end of the year, like Logan run 325, a huge PR from 414. 
Um, Ryan around to 137, huge PR from 146. And Keen, you ran your first 50K and you ran your third fastest marathon at the end of that 50K. Yeah. And it was like third fastest by like 20 seconds. <laughs> so it's a big, big thing. And it's a little scary to just like people trust you in doing that. And um, for me, and it's the reason why I, I won't. And also understand that like you have to understand your scale. Like how much can you handle? Um, because like I tend to be the kind of person that gets really invested in this stuff. Um, I this isn't this isn't my job. I love doing this. This is fun to me. Um, so like I generally just enjoy doing this. So like realizing like what kind of scale you can handle so that you're not losing the quality of what you're doing. Um, because like a lot of people would just say, oh, it's gonna take everybody. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. Like you're gonna get you're gonna get way too just like stretched thin and it's not gonna be fun anymore. Um, this is really fun. It's really fun if you you know you you know how much you can handle because as much as you can just say I can just send out a uh, training program, it does take some, a little bit of an emotional toll on you, and uh, you got to just make sure that you take care of yourself too. Um, with that being said, um, Pancakes did ask ask what's your best and worst coaching decisions. Um, so we're gonna do the round table real quick, Nicole. Okay, best and worst coach, like best thing I've done as a coach or like best and worst thing that my coach has done to me? We can do both. Well, um, the worst thing that my coach ever did to me was, I mean, it was a confidence booster, but she gave me a workout and this was by no means her fault, but she gave me 18 by 400 and it was supposed to be a 10K prep. And um, it was the day that the Garmin outage happened. And so I was out there, you know, I was supposed to do like 123 to 125 with like walking recoveries, but like equal time. And so like that was really stressful having to manually lock the whole thing. Like my coach didn't even realize that's what she'd done to me, but that's what she did to me. Like that workout kind of sucked, but like, <laughs> like getting, I ended up doing 19 of them because I can't, I can't count. Like, you can't just, ugh, it was yeah. so annoying. But, um, and, like, I kept, like, looking at my overall time going, like, okay, so, like, this is probably where I'm at based on my overall time. <laughs> like, the best thing that she ever did to me, sometimes she does this thing, especially this year, because, like, I raced four marathons, didn't really race, but, like, I ran four marathons last year. And even if you don't race them, even if they're, like, mostly, like, your easy range, like, it still takes a big toll on your body. And, the best thing that she did for me, even before all this pandemic shutdown thing happened, um, she was going to pull me from the marathon. Like we were going to run Boston easy and we were going to train really hard for a half in the fall. And I think pulling me from the marathon, like was probably the best thing that could have happened for me and getting faster. Um, because now like I can probably run a solid, like 30 minutes faster in a, in a marathon than I could have back then just because of running so many of them. Um, uh, my terrible things that I've done as a coach, um, I once let an athlete get um, a little bit overtrained from running easy runs too fast because I didn't like pay enough attention. And it was like kind of happening under my nose. And 
I just, I didn't really do enough to stop it. And they ended up like getting really hurt um, towards the end of the season when they had like a marathon in like a month. And um, like, I, I took a lot of the blame for that. Cause I was like, you know, like you're running your easy runs, like your goal pace is what like nine and you're running your easy runs at nine thirty. Like that's not going to go well for a good marathon. Um, and so that was like a huge mistake. And that was something I definitely learned from, like, you need to pay attention to your athletes, easy miles as much, mostly during long distance, I would say, but like, you need to pay attention to the easy pace as well as the workouts because good workouts are awesome. But if you're not going slow enough on your easy pace, you're not recovering. Um, and the best thing that I ever did was um, I had an athlete a, a couple years ago that like we were trying for a sub two half and we like two months in a row, we signed up for a race and we kind of like tapered into it and missed the mark both times. So then we, I, we decided to reassess, do like a three month training cycle, and then that half they ran like a one forty six <laughs> when we came, back. and that was like the best feeling in the entire world. It's like you not only just like hit your goal, you demolished it. That's yeah. awesome. King. All right. Um. I would say, so I'll, I'll do the same as Nicole, like me as a coach and then other coaches. I would say the best thing, um, and this is about you, Chris, the, the timed intervals for me have really helped me be able to get more confidence in going faster, like doing minute reps, minute 30, two minute, whatever it is. That has been the best for my training, I think. Um, I'm never like really intimidated because you're never like go run this at 6:30. You're like run it on effort, like don't run faster than this or whatever it is. So that's helped me build confidence um, running faster for shorter periods of time. Whereas like an old coach who would you know give me 10 by 400 and be like you need to hit 6:40 for each, and I'm like okay. So I'd like go out the first couple and hit 6:40, and then I would just like tinker off because I would be like exhausted. Um, and also like easing into it, like you've always been very supportive of, you know, start at seven, then go to six fifty five. like work your way down. Like you don't have to just like hit the gas running right away. Um, and then the worst thing coaching, I had a coach who was super encouraging of me losing weight to run faster, which is obviously not fun to be a part of, um, and was just really mentally draining on me. And I know there's other people out there on Instagram that have also run into this where it's the whole, you have less mass, so you'll run faster. Um, and once that's kind of in your head, it's really hard to get out of your head, um, especially when somebody kind of repeatedly tells it to you. So that was definitely the worst thing that a coach has ever done to me. Um, worst thing I've done as a coach, when I was, um, running or training for Pelotonia, I took um, charity donations for training plans. And the people that I gave, like, I gave an option that I would create an entire training plan for you. And it'd be like a hundred bucks, hundred dollar donation. Um, and then the more involved I was, the more donation I asked for. But I obviously said, like, if you can't afford the donation, like, I just want to help you and I want to raise money. But the people that I just gave a like blank, you know, full training plan to, I don't think that they really benefited from having a coach. It was 
just not productive and I didn't really check in on them. And so I would never do a structure like that again. Um, I think the best thing that I've done training wise is really helping people slow down. Um, and that's really just showing that I slow down as well. Um, like I'm okay with running a 10 minute recovery mile. You should be okay with running 1030 if you're training 30 seconds slower than me. Um, so I would say that, and a lot of the people that I have helped have slowed down based on what they were doing before. Um, so those are kind of my, my top four things. <laughs> so I guess, uh, mine, let's see. Best and worst coaching decisions that, I mean, coaches have done for me. Um, I think the worst coaching thing, um, it's probably my, like, some of the shit that I had to do in high school. Like, I had some awful, awful coaches um, that were very much, like, kind of verbally abusive, to be honest. Um, and just, there really wasn't any reason for the things that they I was doing or anything like that. It just be running hard, just to run hard. And yeah, I, I think a lot of it is like being okay with um I think the worst like worst things I've said is just like just coaches being very, very verbally abusive and me being okay with that just because I was a kid and uh, didn't know any better. Um best at this point would be I mean, I guess there's, I mean, I, I would pick off my three best coaches here. Uh, Coach Mike letting me shadow him after I almost got killed by a car, by, by a drunk driver. He said, you're not running this season, um, but the, you can shadow. Let's shadow. You can be a seat in the sport this year. That was the thing that made me fall in love with coaching. Um, Croy gave me more opportunity to be able to manage a team than I think anybody else has had. And that trust is incredible. And I think gave me that confidence to say that I can do this for other people. And then Zach is teaching of just, you don't go to the well that often. I had had that on my guys. I told them, but like it really took until somebody that's run this well and that's gone through it. That's gone through the same thing that I've gone through to tell me, Hey, like chill out like that's been one of the best things that i've gotten and uh realizing that like hey like we can tell other people just slow the fuck down um best or worst decisions that i ever made in coaching i think it'd be a combination of two things one would be um for just in my perspective is coaching people like i'm coached or like coaching people like i was running early on so like in grad school i remember coaching my buddy jared and I think a lot of it was like, you do what I do. We're good from there. And I think it took until working with like, like this year, really working with you guys and saying like, there's more than that. We got to slow the pace down. We got to work on just like the ins and outs of just like, it's not just giving the same training plan. It's how do we adjust for that particular person? Also, how do we adjust for that particular person's work life or stressors at like in their life or just even just your schedule. Uh, so that's the one thing that I've learned a lot from. Uh, the other one would be just getting too invested. Um, I had a situation happen in the past. It was my first, it, it's happened multiple times, but the, one of the ones that happened that was really hard for me was uh, 
uh, when the first time I was coaching out and uh, like when I was in grad school, um, put a lot of effort in this kid. And um, at the end of the summer, he said, well, um, I got everything that I wanted. Um, don't really need help anymore. I was like, well, that's nice. <laughs> and I had asked all the, the four guys that I was coaching at that time to um, send me recaps of what they had experienced during out my coaching plan. Uh, because I really wanted to be able to know what I did right, what I did wrong, so I could take it on to the next person if I were to decide to coach again. And uh, it was just a really bitter pill to swallow and just like kind of just somebody kicking dirt in it at that point. And it really hurt. It really did. Um, just because I was like, well, I like doing this and I'm helping out people and realizing that like, shit, like I almost didn't come back to coaching for it. Like for four, I mean, I haven't coached for four or five years because of that. But it, yeah, that was that was probably like that, that was tough. Um, now it's a little bit different. I'm actually having more fun with it. Where it's like, I think coming into like the best things is like me deciding to actually be a part of a lot of this, these workouts or a lot of these, um, love these races. Like it makes me feel really, really cool. It makes me really, really good to just like see my athletes running. It's so cool. And uh, I've really enjoyed that. Uh, best would be just being able to um, realize that a lot of things have to be changed. That just because there is a certain schedule that I've already set out ahead of time doesn't necessarily mean that NASA follow that. And Keenan, uh, like we can we can talk about that on that. And like when you did lose your job, we we adjusted training completely. That's it take a couple of days off. Like there's no reason for like, you have a lot of stress right now. Let's the running, running can take a backseat. And I think that's another, one of the best things there is realizing that like life can take a backseat. I mean, not, not like that running can take a backseat to life. Like life's the most important thing there. And I've done it with Ryan. I've done it with, with Logan. I've done it with other people. It's life is more important than this whole training thing. And being able to realize that like, you don't want this to become a stressor. Yeah, I think the other thing off that, like, you never messaged me like, hey, are you ready to run? Like, you gave me space and let me come to you and say, I think I'm going to go out for a little run today. Or I just kind of, you know, texted you, I think I'm going to do like five miles, three miles, five miles this weekend. Like, then we can start next week. Like, I was like, I just need to get out and like do something was basically the only reason I was going out. But you never pressured me to be like, hey, we got to jump back in training. Like, let's go. Like, pick yourself up. Like you were always like, take, take whatever time you need right now. Uh, it's like way more important to be mentally stable and healthy than just running yourself into the ground. And you've always said that over everything. Cause I know my uncle passed away in like September and we had a down week because we had the funeral and everything and people in town. And so it's, it's just always been like that. It's running's running. <laughs> it's not, I don't know. It's kind of on the same topic that, that Nicole said about like the therapist thing, which I agree. It's not something that you want to use as a little thing, but it's like, no, we, this is, this needs to be a fun, this needs to be a fun experience. It shouldn't be something that's another stressor for you. And it's just, yeah, I think that's one of the best things that I've been able to take into is realizing that like the divide and I've always been a very competitive person. So like, that's something that I've learned a lot is realizing that like we need to step back because this isn't like 
switching out from college and now going to the, like now real life it's like this is just a hobby yeah like it's none of our jobs like i i think i i mentioned brian lock earlier um and like one of the things that really like on on his instagram that i really took away was like he posted a bunch of professional and elite runners he's like this is the amount of time that they take off from running per year and it was like four weeks six weeks like eight weeks and it was like the average runner like i'm gonna lose my fitness i can't take any time off and it's that like like you're not gonna lose fitness if you really need a break like you we're not doing this for money like we're not this is just supposed to be fun if you're not having fun or like there's life events that take precedence like just take some time like even if you do lose fitness it's gonna come back yeah, I was actually, I posted a Instagram poll and I was surprised at the amount of people that after a marathon or anything higher, um, take less than seven days off. I thought it was going to be like 10% and it's, I think it's now like winning in the poll and that was honestly shocking to me. Yeah. And that was in my two accounts saying, uh, more than 10 days. <laughs> you so that's one of my more, my two accounts say more than 10 days. Right now, less than seven is at 53% and more than 10 is at 47. Like, that's insane to me. Why aren't you guys resting? Like, what the hell are you doing? I don't know a normal person who, like, went to the Olympic trials or, like, got really, really close that did not take less than 10 days off of running after. Yeah. That's crazy. Crazy to me. But... I mean, even after this part of my training at this point, like I need the time mentally and physically. I mean, even at this 50 game, I'm just like, I was like, part of me was like, is King going to ask me like, am I good to go now? I'm like, no, well, it's the same thing with like Zach. Zach's the same way. Like I'll, I'll reach out to him when I'm back, when I'm ready to go or I have enough mileage or like, all right, I've healed up or everything like that. Like it's kind of that trust between the athlete and the coach there. It's like, yeah. I'm not, yeah, I know how it feels to be running a longer distance. Like, take all the time you need to just, because, like, if you look at it, if you're training for, like, a high mileage thing, like, it's usually between, like, it could be, if you're low end, 12 weeks, and the high end, 20 weeks. That's 20 weeks of consistent work. You're, you're mentally and, you, and, like, physically, you need a break. Yeah. And you're not going to lose fitness. I mean, you were scared for like the first two months that you had lost fitness from from grandmas. And I'm like, no, you're still fit. It so feels like that when you start running, especially in the heat. Like when you start, when you take like two, I think I took, I was texting Nicole about this. I took like 17 days off after grandmas because it was like the holiday weekend. Yeah. And um, you're making me run this fast. I'm like, you're fine. You're fine. I was like dying. <laughs> Oh my god, I, I was with you on your first workout back. She's like, I have three miles at like 7.30. I don't think I can do this. It's like, just go do it. If you need to stop, then just slow down. And she's yeah. like, I don't know if I can do it. And then I saw her coming back and she's like flying. She's like, 7.30s, baby! And I'm like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you take multiple months off, there's a difference. But like, a couple weeks off, yeah. like, and also I'm not throwing a workout back at you the first week. Like, I think you had like three weeks of just like running consistently before. Yeah, I did it was all time, which yeah. I hated. <laughs> yeah, I hate it too. And it's the reason why I gave it to you. <laughs> because like, Zach does that to me all the time when you're getting back into running. Like, here, just run this much time. And I'm like, fuck. 
okay, if I run faster, I have to run longer. Hmm. Let's take our time. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's a good. I'm like, I'm going to be out here for 40 minutes, 50 minutes, 60 minutes, regardless. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so quick rapid fire. Oh, we have one last big question, but two rapid fire questions. Uh, it's from Brian. Favorite location to train at? I like to train when I'm like back in my hometown just because it's like there's a really nice flat bike path that you can do really, really fast reps on. And also it's like nostalgic. Um, I like the track like for fast workouts, but I never get out there anymore because Whetstone closes their track and they have barbed wire at the top and I'm not trying to die. And I don't really want to drive somewhere to run right now. You really need to be more dedicated. You should want to die for running. <laughs> Less than seven days. I love, I love running on the track. You just feel like you can just like get into like a cool mindset of like, oh yeah, I'm gonna race. Like, let's go. But you also have to control it. But it's fun. Yeah, I have a uh, two places would be mine would be the Claremont with Scripps track. I used to do tempos there, and uh, it was like sunset tempos during the summer. Then it was like lane. I think it was like lane seven or lane eight. It's like three and a half laps to the mile. So I would just like do tempos there. Um, that or um, there was like this 1K loop in two different places. One in Idlewild, California, that we did for running camp. And there was one in uh, just outside of Malibu. And that was a fun, like just packed dirt, super fun, like getting on like K repeats, just kind of just blasting through that and kind of have that um the really nice like cold kind of breath from just like being in the wilderness too so i really enjoyed that um and going into that uh brent also asked you prefer running on roads bike trails or trails in the woods or just what's your favorite place to be training on is it roads bike trails trails in the woods dirt roads what are you looking at I love, um, I love an uninterrupted bike trail. Um, and I, I don't mind, and I love like a, a long stretch of just straight away where you just like can't even see the end. Um, which I know most people hate, but I, I love the old Tangier trail. I honestly never get sick of it. Um, so you can go pretty long without having to stop or ever stop. So we only got stopped one time in the 50 K, which we didn't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running up and down North Broadway. <laughs> yeah, on Tangier Trail. I really like bike paths too. Like this is really silly, but like that's that's like the thing I miss the most about traveling is like finding the random beat off off the beaten bike paths. Like there's this uh there's this one in Keensburg, New Jersey. We stayed there when I was uh like going to New York for a couple of years ago, my husband got me tickets to Harry Potter and the Cursed Child for um, Valentine's Day. And then, like, it was, like, around my birthday that the um, actual show was happening. So it was, like, Christmas time everywhere. And there was this beautiful bike trail. And it went, like, alongside a highway. And it was in the middle of nowhere in New Jersey. But they were, like, you know, like, random neighborhoods on the side. And they all had their Christmas decorations out. So going at, like, 630 in the morning when, like, the sun's rising on one side and then the other side's just like uninterrupted, just like Christmas lights because every house in this freaking city was decorated. Like 
it was one of the coolest runs I've ever been on in my life. And like, I wish I could go on that run every single day in November and December. This is tough. <laughs> um, I don't like going down to anymore. I'm tired of it. Uh, but there's a trail, there, there's a bike path right next to my house called the Pacific Life Trail. It goes all the way, well, I think 20 miles out to Rialto. Never hit the end of it just because I'm not going to do 40 miles because I'm not, fuck that. Um, but it's flat, just flat. And it's, I like it. You just get kind of in the zone, stride gets in the zone. You don't have to worry about any elevation. It's fantastic. Um, I think my favorite is probably packed dirt like trails like flat plaque dirt like we went out went around with uh zach out in michigan which like trail trail dirt roads are my favorite things in the world i'd love running the trail roads i did go back to tiffin this weekend and i also had like two lane highways out in the country that's fun i'd love being out in the country just like country roads out as much as long as you can just go and west really... virginia uh, <laughs> If we help, if, you don't, it, it, roads. if you're a Jewish Davis, uh, you can you can write in about those country roads. But I I really I, I think I think a common thing is like just uninterrupted running, like be able to have enough time to just get into a stride and just enjoy it. So um, I used to be a big mountain runner just because like I'm five miles from the mountains back home. Uh, but at this point, I become a kind of a bit of a bitch. I don't like running in. I don't like running in hills anymore. That's what happens when you move to here, Ohio. To here, Ohio. So we also had a really long question here, uh, and so we'll be, we we're just gonna cap this out with this question. Teresa, Health Tree Living asks, "How do you properly pace for a five k?" I know it's best to think of a slip, but I'm not sure how to go fast relative to my goal pace. Like how many seconds above the average goal pace should you start? I'm also not sure how bad it's supposed to hurt in the beginning. I just read about people saying that it's going to hurt the entire time, and I end up starting too fast and blowing up the end. Oh, and the route for my 5K starts at downhill ends on an uphill. Not sure if I should take advantage of the downhill or so try to go easy for the next split. A lot of questions here. Yeah, it, it fucking hurts the whole fucking time. <laughs> There's... There's like the 5K is terrible. Everything about it is horrible. Um, I think first and foremost, it's important to change your watch auto lap to a shorter interval. And like, I personally found success with doing it in the 400. Um, like I'll, or like quarter mile, I'll do like quarter mile laps. And um, like, I know what I should be pacing at for quarter mile. Like the, the last 5K I did, I really really hardly negative split and I, I don't think that's the best course of action like you can run faster you should definitely take advantage of the downhill because like the uphill is going to suck but like I think if you're in a real race um then I think it's good to like just try to get on pace as quickly as possible like I, I took like the first like two four hundreds to make sure that I was like feeling okay and like really like get into pace and then I just like held on for dear life um and like a real race you just hold on and then once you get to like two and a half like you can really just like pick things off in the distance like oh there's a person up there i'm gonna overtake them and then you can just like use that to like keep on on pace and like distract yourself from the fact that you're really dying and you might want to throw up but like 
in this whole era of virtual racing, I know it doesn't always go like that. Like I've been fortunate to have like bike pacers that I can chase and like people that are in front of me yelling at me, like you have a goal, you need to go faster. Um, but yeah, like get your best friend that you, um, are not afraid to hear abusive words from and put them on a bike in front of you. <laughs> you'll go. <laughs> I don't really know if I have advice for a 5k. I haven't run a 5k since like 2016 racing. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> I would just say, hold on for dear life. <laughs> run as fast as you can. I, I would say this, uh, and just a spoiler there. Uh, Teresa did run a PR at that race. Um, congrats if you're listening. Um, and she won it too. Congrats on that too. Um, That's awesome. How do you probably pace for a 5K? I think it really does come down to the training that you're doing. Um, that pace should be comfortable. Like you should have been doing workouts at that pace you wanted to hit to make sure that you're going through 3K, 4K at a very, it's still comfortable. Yeah, it's comfortably hard. You shouldn't, if you're, if you're hitting it right, and it's like, let's say a track, because the track's very easy that way um you should ha not feel like you're dying the entire time you're gonna hurt for the last like quarter of it as what you do with every race um your 5k should you should be already comfortable running that pace that pace should be comfortable for the majority of it um just because you've already ha had that muscle memory doing it um as far as negative splitting um Negative splitting kind of makes me think that you're going a minute slower than your, your last mile. Um, 5K is too short to do that. Like, you're leaving way too much time on the table in a 5K at that point. Um, I would say your first 400 should be just making sure that you're not going out too fast. That's usually the biggest issue with most people is they go out way too hard that first 400. I know I have gone out almost at mile pace for that first 400, just trying to get in position. Uh, just make sure you're very, very aware of what you're going out at for that first 400 and 800. Um, and then from there, just uh, really focus on that breathing, focus on your form, and realize that that last quarter, everybody's going to be feeling that way. Just uh, keep go back to your form, keep working on those arms, and uh, finish very strong. Um, utilize the downhill, but don't go out too hard on a downhill. It's 5K. It's, you're not going to die from have, going out super fast on a downhill like it just you're not doing it long enough to hurt your calves or anything like that just make sure like just don't go just really focus on trying to keep um just keep your effort levels at a, at a pace where it's like on that threshold and then just start moving forward from that for last quarter but yeah thank you guys for listening we appreciate you guys. Um, as always, it's really great to catch up with you guys, uh, Keen and Nicole. Um, I will be back. Well, I'll be hopefully be back at uh, doing in person in about a week or two weeks, three weeks, what, depending on when we all go back. So Nicole's going back home, I think, and uh, Keen, I don't think you're staying here. But uh, I'm going to quarantine for the next weekend as soon as I get my test back. Um, so I'm going to be just staying here. So, um, love you guys. You guys have been awesome. Um, as always, um, if you guys have 
any questions for us or any topics or anything you guys would love us to talk about, you can send it to beardsandmiles at gmail.com. That is beardsandmiles at gmail.com. Um, and so, Nicole, where could they find you if they're trying to follow you? Um, I am Nicole the Runner on Instagram. Um, and you should just drop into my DMs and tell me that you're a listener. And I will be really happy. That's all. Keen, where can they follow you? You can follow me on Instagram at Keen underscore for a run. Um, also on Twitter. And you can find me on Strava. And you can follow me on Beers and Miles. Uh, Beersandmiles.com. I'll, I'll post something sometime. We'll see. Um, you can follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, all of those, whatever. Um, if you want to play video games, XC Chris, XCCRIS. If you want to play some Warzone, I'm there. Um, not always uh, sober, but I'm there. <laughs> um, and as always, if you have any questions for us, leave them at beersandmiles at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, we'll be back next week. See ya. Did you get to say bye? Or you're just going to be just hanging out there just waving. You're just waving. They can't see the wave. I'm just waving. I'm just waving at the people that cannot see me. <laughs> Alrighty. See you guys. Classic. Bye. Thanks for coming back. <laughs>